0: This is Juliana McIntosh.
1: And I'm Brad Sutton. And And this this is is The The Art Art of of drinking. Drinking.
0: With Join Jules.
1: And your favorite uncle. This is the best home bartending podcast.
0: Where you learn how to make two drinks.
1: A classic.
0: And a twist.
1: Plus a little backstory on the cocktail.
0: So you have an interesting story to tell when you serve your guests.
1: Your home crafted masterpiece. Hey, Brad. Hey, Jules. How's it going? I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm good. When we're recording this, we are just kicking off January. So I'm in the middle of my health reset journey again. Boy, it's (laughs) been a while since I've been there. And it feels good to be back right now. Ask me in a week from now, it might be a different answer. But I'm doing good. How are you, Brad? (laughs)
1: I'm good. And listen, for what it's worth, Jules, I got to tell you, you don't look unhealthy at all. And I know you stay healthy, but yeah, I appreciate that. You're like, you know what? It's time to take care of myself because uh, <sighs> I've
0: been on those, a bender
1: since uh, the old uh, <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. I think <laughs> it was ever break. since we went to Scorpion Bay for the Baja 1000 in November. Yeah, the
1: week before Thanksgiving, I've been on a bender. Holy yeah. smokes. I remember limping home from Mexico. Like, I don't want to drink again. Oh, what's that? Eggnog? Okay.
0: Yeah, I limped into 2024. It was a tough time. (laughs) Totally. So I will say, when we're recording this season, some episodes will be recorded while I am practicing dry January. Don't fret, people. These will not be mocktail-specific episodes. Brad's keeping it with the classics that we have some really great recipes coming up. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to give my recipe that is alcoholic it's gonna be on the website, but I'm going to be drinking on the podcast mocktail versions. So I'll have two. You get kind of bonus recipes that I can drink, and then I'll be able to drink after the fact.
1: Well, given that we're about two weeks ahead, right? So this episode is gonna come out in two weeks from now, and it's beginning of January. Yeah. I mean, what are you gonna do? Like, go two episodes and be like, all right, right, I'm back on the bus because the beginning of February is rolling in, like the middle of January for us, or <laughs> or you're gonna you're gonna extend dry January into. February, I guess you're gonna have yeah. to. All right. Well, now you know you heard it here first. That's for
0: everybody yeah, for everybody listening, this is my first year. I am so serious. I've always said I'm going to do dry January. Then it's turned into, eh, actually, I'm gonna do a damp January. And then it's like, yeah, I'm over it. So this is the first year I'm really going to do the four weeks in January. What I probably will do is I have a lot of these recipes that I've made before and I've made riffs on. So I will speak to the recipe. And more often than not, there's so many great spirit alternatives. So if we're, let's just say, making a gin cocktail, all the other ingredients usually don't have a liqueur. So I'll just use a gin alternative. It's kind of like an easy solution.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's there's spirit alternatives out there. Yeah. And look, I've got friends who have given up the bottle because of of various reasons, and they've moved on to spirit-free. Yeah. Yeah, spirit-free, different Mm -hmm. types of gins and bourbons and whatnot. And that's perfectly acceptable in my book, but no shame in your game if you decide to go from dry to damp to just, uh, (laughs)
0: ah, (laughs) f*** it. We're getting into the actual art of drinking. And that-
1: Ooh, this is artful.
0: Yeah, it could be for everybody, right? So no, it'll be good. And I feel like for this- episode today was a fun challenge because we're doing the Bellini, which is a great...
1: Is a low ABV. Yeah,
0: okay. it's a great option yeah. if you're doing damp January. And for me, I actually, I got the non-alcoholic sparkling wine, and it is a okay substitution for when That's you're doing... very
1: convincing. <laughs> very convincing. I like how you underlined that.
0: It's okay. It is. Okay,
1: yeah.
0: It's tough. It's tough for me because we love the art of drinking an alcoholic cocktail. We love the reasoning behind it and the spirit behind it. I've never been a big advocate for non-alcoholic, but I know that there's a there there. So me having both sides is tough for me. But I will say I'm taking this month to really focus on great brands. And the one I used today was Shirley. And it was okay to substitute for... Brute style bubbles. So
1: <laughs> it <was> all right.
0: <laughs> it was, well, it was okay. okay.
1: And and for those of you who are like, all right, I'm just gonna do this dry January thing and I'm gonna struggle along and listen to the art of drinking and
0: listen to me okay. struggle.
1: So I've got an okay option. Good. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah. Oh got, you guys were I got in a hamburger together. helper, which is you know, it's okay. Edible. It's okay. <laughs> it, made, it made me. Well,
0: you know what? If there's, <laughs> if there's one thing I'm not going to do, I'm not going to lie on the podcast.
1: Yeah, you know what? Actually, I appreciate that. I don't want to ever get into a situation where you lied to. I mean, in fact, we're like, we're totally like, we're testing out some things right now with people who might be a potential sponsor, and I'm like, I want to know if I like it before I'll talk about totally. it because I don't ever want to talk about something I don't like.
0: Plus, now I'm on a mission to find a. Bubbles, non-alcoholic, that's better than, okay. (laughs) I want to find one that's like, wow, this is really
1: good. That's great. Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah. So if you haven't put it together already and you've never heard of the Bellini, main ingredient is Prosecco. So you will need bubbles for this round. Bubbles. We'll get, Brad's going to get into the classic recipe, which we are doing two ways just based on seasonality and convenience. So we'll have both recipes of the purees on our website. And then Brad, you're getting into the history of the Bellini, which there is a really good history on it, actually.
1: Yeah, we'll do a little history on the person and the bar and yeah. And then uh, you're going to talk about how to make frozen drinks, right? Tips yeah. at the end, frozen drink trips. Yeah. One thing I'll say before we get on to making the cocktail, which I'm excited to do, yeah, is one, I got a new cocktail station. So I've got this microphone that's going to be the first time I used it. So that'll be interesting to try out. And we'll see there's going to be a little bit of difference in my voice. And two, <laughs> you said something that reminded me of something I want to make sure that people really understand, is that when you make a bellini, and you've heard me say before that a French 75 needs to be made with champagne, not Prosecco. And I right. stand by that. You absolutely do not make a French 75 with Prosecco. Just because it's just, it just doesn't work. <laughs> Don't. But a Bellini is 100% with Prosecco and never, ever with champagne. Yes. So when you say bubbles, we mean Prosecco bubbles in this case. Yes. Well, let's get to making it.
0: Yep, I agree. Well, speaking of bubbles, let's pop this thing off to our next section and make a deal. All right, Uncle Brad. I'm excited for this one because I know this is my mom's favorite and I'm excited to see it made the right way. So uh, show me how to make a good old Bellini, a classic.
1: Yeah, let's, uh, let's do that. So you said making it the right way. Yeah. And I need to be honest with you that the absolute right way to make this is using white peaches. The problem is, white peaches aren't in season.
0: Well, they're tough. It's tough to be practical year-round, right? I mean... Right.
1: So I went with yellow peaches, frozen. But I'm going to give you the recipe two ways, and there's not much variance. So you'll know how to make it the right way Mm -hmm. when peaches are in season. For now, until those peaches are in season, you can still enjoy a bellini. Yeah, using yellow peaches.
0: I love that too, because there are so many cocktails out there that focus on like rhubarb is another tough one where you're like, God, where, where the hell am I going to find rhubarb if it's not in season? So I feel like giving both options, which by the way, yellow peaches are like the most popular anyway, might as well be realistic here. So I appreciate that because I'm also using the frozen peaches still because they're in season right now in the freezer totally. section.
1: <laughs> yeah, and here's the deal. White peaches are a little less acidic and a little sweeter. Yellow peaches are not. Yeah. But you can fix that. A little simple syrup. All right. Making the Bellini the right way, you're going to want to get three to four white peaches when they're in season. Yep. And then what you do is you grab those peaches, you wash them off, mm-hmm. you score them four slices around the skins, and then you're going to blanch them in boiling water, quickly take them out, plunge them into ice-cold water, remove the skins, and then open them up, remove the pith or the pit. And then you're going to put them in a food processor and not a blender because a blender incorporates too much air and this comes right from the people who invented it. Okay? Yep. So you process that until it's smooth. And then once you've got that to a smooth texture, if you want, you can add four teaspoons... Of cherry juice, which Ooh. brings the color out that people would see if they go to Venice and order one of these. Okay. Follow me?
0: Yeah, I'm following.
1: Now, what you do next doesn't matter if it's the yellow peaches or the white peaches. Okay. Because once the puree is done, it's going to be put into a vessel. In this case, I'm using science beakers. Nice. <laughs> yes. Half a bottle of Prosecco. Uh-huh. And then you're going to put in the puree mix. Mix with a little delicacy. You don't want to get all the foam going all over.
0: You don't want to lose the bubbles. And then you're going to
1: take your glass and you're going to add three ounces of Prosecco. Okay. And to that, you're just going to top it off with your peach puree. And it's super easy. But if you go too fast, you'll foam it up. Now, with the yellow peaches, what I did is I added a tablespoon of of simple syrup. And I used 16 ounces of frozen peaches. That made my puree. I didn't do any cherry juice because it's just going to add a little tartness. Mm-hmm. And bingo, here we go. I've shopped this around. People really like it. I've seen a few recipes as I shopped around looking for the right version of this. Yeah. Seems to be the winner. And I got to tell you, from a taste.
0: It's so good. It's oh. delicious. God, my mom really does. She loves these. And I can only imagine in peach season, which, you know, I did a peach week. I don't think I did a Bellini last year, which what a miss that was.
1: Yeah. I don't drink these very often.
0: You know, I don't either. But seeing how easy it is to make, I would much rather that than a mimosa. Sorry, I'm a hater of the mimosa. So this is like the better version for me.
1: Now, one thing I'll tell you. Okay. That I left out about the Prosecco. It's really important when you get the Prosecco that it is D-O-C yes. or D-O-C-G. And what that means is designation of controlled origin. Mm-hmm. And the G means it's guaranteed. Yeah, There's a lot of fakies out there. And with this D-O-C and D-O-C-G, you know you're getting the real stuff. It comes from a specific place, has a specific taste, in this case, you've heard me talk about these guys before. Via Degli Omi. And this comes from a little bottle shop down the street from me. And I'm pretty sure you can find it where you're at too.
0: Brad, that's a good tip just in general. Like when I go and buy a Chianti red wine, I always look mm-hmm. if the Italian Chianti has a DOCG or a DOC. Cause if it doesn't, I'm like, yeah, out of here. Which I think is just a good rule of thumb.
1: Cool. Well, I'm going to switch back to my better microphone. Okay. And I'm going to watch you and then it's make my your turn. drink. Okay. Well, coming at you live from the... Nice. So, oh, what do you... Now, hey, whoa, whoa. We just jumped right in. What's going on here?
0: No, I, ha- I put my ice in my Yeti, but it sat for a second. So, I'm just getting it off the sides. <laughs> yeah, I'm already done, Brad. He's...
1: Yeah. I love the Yeti for the ice storage. I have it here all the time next to me.
0: Okay. Are we ready for mine? So... Brad, I said at the top of the episode, I want to reiterate again that while we're recording this, we are in the month of January. So, I am giving you actually a bonus recipe for those that are not wanting a boozy cocktail. I know what you're thinking. Why would I ever want that? But there may be a time, maybe you're pregnant, maybe you are doing a dry month. So, I'm doing mine dry, but I'm also putting on our website, theartofdrinkingpodcast.com, the real version of this recipe. It's equally as delicious, but if I weren't doing dry January, I wouldn't be doing this recipe, if that makes sense, because the one with the booze is the best. And what I'm making is that frozen bitter Bellini. Frozen, we're blending it with ice. Bitter, of course, come on. I had to use some Aperol. And we're using peaches for the Bellini. So what I'm doing is I'm making a mocktail version of this. So what I'm going to do is I have my blender here, and I'm going to start adding all my ingredients to my blender. What I want to add in first are my peaches, and I'm adding in about a cup of frozen peaches. And yes, I too, like Brad, am using the yellow peaches. So those go right in my blender then I'm also going to add in, I know those are frozen, but I'm also going to add in some crushed ice. And like we said at the beginning, make sure to listen to the tip section where we talk about some tips and tricks for a really great frozen drink. So there's a reason for this, and we'll explain it in our tip section. So we got some frozen ice chunks in there. Now from here, what I'm going to do is I want to add in some fresh lemon juice. One of the things I like to do, too, with frozen drinks is add a little bit of zest. Uh, I think it brings out the lemon flavor or the citrus flavor that you're using when you're blending, because I think sometimes it can get lost. So I'm adding just a little bit, not even half of the lemon, just like, I don't know, a couple pulls. And then I'm going to squeeze some fresh lemon. And we're going to do about three quarters of an ounce, a half ounce Honey syrup.
1: And how do you make honey syrup again?
0: Honey syrup is equal parts honey to water. You could also do a two to one, but I just do about a half cup of honey with a half cup of water. Now, here is where it comes down to I'm doing dry January, okay? So bear with me. Mm. I have this Gia, I think it's called, and it is an aperitif, non-alcoholic, which is going to substitute my aperol. And we're gonna do one ounce of that. And then we are gonna do four ounces of Prosecco. I'm doing dry January, so I have this non-alcoholic Brut oh. <laughs> that we're gonna be using. I know, I know. I'm. I, this is the first year I'm really taking it seriously, so I'm trying Yeah, this and-
1: is like, I mean, this is really operating with one hand tied behind your back, right? Like, oh, here, we're doing a drinking <laughs> podcast. I'm not drinking. <laughs> But that's okay. That's okay. It's you know, know, like we're making it work. You got friends that don't drink, so you know, it can be like a little mix and match. So maybe next year on dry January, we get a little bit more planful and we just kind of have a whole series set up for it where I'm still gonna do the loaded, leaded cocktail while you do the unleaded.
0: That's what I kind of figured, right? I mean, the my alcoholic recipes, trust me, you're going to want them. They're still going to be on the website, but I want to drink this throughout the podcast, so I wanted to give it a shot. Here we have this mocktail version, which I'm now going to blend up in my crusty old blender.
1: Uh-huh. 30 seconds later. Get a little thick on you there, huh? Yep. Moving around. A little too much... Uh, Too much frozen stuff in there, maybe? Maybe. (laughs) I've had those problems.
0: I'm going to give it one more little zhuzh. So we've blended our drink. I'm putting it in a coupe. How's it taste? Okay.
1: Winner, winner, chicken dinner.
0: Honestly, it tastes really good. The only thing I would note is I would make sure you get a non-alcoholic sparkles that you like because you can really taste that through here, which if you're using regular Prosecco, you'll have no problem and it would be equally as delicious. But if you are going to go the non-alcoholic route, I would make sure you're using ingredients that you like. Don't just like... You need to try them before you use them. But I'm happy with everything I did here given that this is a mocktail version. But I can attest because I made it before. My frozen bitter Bellini with the alcohol measurements... Equally, and I hate to say it, is 10 times better than this, but this is a great alternative. If you are practicing dry January, if you are non-alcoholic, it's also a great option. And I will say, the lemon zest, I think, is a must here too, because it brings out just such a nice fresh flavor on top of all the other flavors you got going. So I'm really happy with this. And now I can drink with you, Brad.
1: There you go. Yeah, Yeah, here we go. Now, you're doing NA. I'm doing low ABV. Yeah, yeah. So I guess this kind of falls into damp January, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So
0: Damp and dry.
1: One of the few times I'll be damp this January for sure. But, <laughs> you know what? but but hey, I'll play ball for a little bit and I'll just jump right back on that horse.
0: Wait, this is really good. I'm really happy with this, Brad.
1: I'm glad you're happy with that. Looks like mm-hmm. chopsticks. What do you got there? It's a straw. Okay. It's a straw. Well, there it is. We did it. Perfect. Should we move on to uh, the history behind the Bellini?
0: Yeah, I'd like to learn about this one while I sip away here. happy price go to your happy price price
1: line all right jules
0: i can tell you this much about the history of the bellini it's italian
1: oh (laughs) yeah i think we even gave it away yeah in a previous episode i can't remember which one what we talked about the bellini yeah yeah it's definitely italian and this is just Italian through and through here as we go through the story, so mm-hmm. it gets even better. So what I'll do is, I'm, let me walk you through kind of a couple of things here, right? Because I always okay. like to set a little context. I think what we need to do is we need to talk about the inventor, Giuseppe Cipriani, mm. and his life in the empire that was built in his name. And it's, it's kind of an interesting story. And then we'll talk about the bar at which this was created, and that's Harry's Bar in Venice. What? unrelated? Harry's Bar in Paris.
0: Wow. I thought it was Paris.
1: Yeah. There's Harry's Bar in Paris and there's Harry's Bar in Venice, two different people and not related at all. And then we'll talk a bit about the cocktail itself and how that got created, but then also just kind of some fun facts about the Cipriani's and Harry's and we'll close it out. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's great.
1: All right. So Giuseppe Cipriani.
0: Hmm. What a name. Giuseppe,
1: I know. Yeah. It's Giuseppe. Hey, Giuseppe. Hey, Giuseppe. Giuseppe. I do. All right. Anyways, so Giuseppe Cipriani, he was born in 1900 and he died in 1980. And he was born in Verona, Italy, and moved kind of Germany, moved around and worked in the hotel industry, blah, 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 whatever. Ends up making his home in Venice and is working at Hotel Europa. And this is where he met a gentleman by the name of Harry Pickering. And Harry was a young and wealthy American from Boston. And as the story goes, Harry, his aunt, her boy Toy, which is a young man that... Wait. Fill in the blanks, right?
0: But it was his aunt?
1: His aunt had a boy toy okay. that was there with them. Wow, thank Harry you for clarifying. Harry wasn't cl- the boy toy. Okay, thank you, yeah. you so much for yeah. clarifying Yeah. No, <laughs> that's, hey, listen. I mean, I had to read it twice. So. Wow,
0: okay, okay, now I'm tracking, now I'm tracking.
1: <laughs> yeah, they would frequent Hotel Europa where Giuseppe was the barman and the aunt up and leaves and disappears into the wind with her boy toy and leaves Harry behind with the lapdog and zero bucks, <laughs> no money. Mm. So- Giuseppe is known to be a generous person and he had a very kind and, and soft heart. And so Giuseppe loans him some money. Now there's another story out there that Harry Pickering was cut off from the family fortune because they didn't approve of his drinking lifestyle. Ooh. Right, so the bar it Sounds was, like family
0: drama. There's one story and there's another story. Yeah, so this
1: was this was definitely, this was the 1920s during Prohibition, but they're in Europe imbibing and having a good old time while right. we were back trying to- Figure out why the hell we ever did that. Either way, the guy's broke and needs money. And all stories point back to Giuseppe loaning him 10,000 lira, which is the equivalent of $500 then and about $8,000 today. Wow. And yeah, Harry vows to pay him back, disappears. Three years later, comes back, meets Giuseppe, gives him back the money that he loaned him, plus four times more. So Giuseppe was handed $40,000 in today's money. And now he has got this money in his hand, which doesn't sound like a lot of money, but it was enough for him to start his lifelong dream of opening a bar. And as Giuseppe searched and searched and searched around Venice, he found a small warehouse on a dead end street where he could fulfill this dream. And he opened up his own bar and to honor his friend, he called it Harry's. Oh. That's sweet.
0: That's sweet. Yeah. I like that. I also love how he stuck it to his family too. If it were that story. Oh, you think I'm an alcoholic? Really? Let me open a bar. Let me have yeah, it be super I, successful. Sh-
1: well, here's here's the deal. Giuseppe opened the bar. <laughs> Harry gave him the money.
0: Right. <laughs> so. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But still.
1: I mean, you can't blame the drink on that one. You're like dry right now. Yeah. Anyways. Anyway. All right. So the bar does well a few years later and I'm just, we'll talk about the drink here in a second, but I just kind of want to continue about, talk about Cipriani and, and how he kind of built this empire or how his family built this empire. So a few years later, 1950s, by the way, that was 1931 that he opened Harry's. All right. So Harry's opened up in Venice in 1931. Now in 19. 19- 50 somewhere in the early 50s he purchased another building in Venice and opened up the Hotel Cipriani which as of this year was rated as the best hotel in the world Hotel Cipriani it's now a belmond property so Whoa. i don't i don't think it's in the cipriani family anymore wow but the cipriani's still own this big sure. empire that has all these other properties and we'll talk about that That's awesome In 1932 Harry's son Arrigo which is italian for harry So he was born and again, named after his buddy, Harry, who gave him the opportunity to open up his own spot. Years later, 1985, Arrigo takes the Cipriani name and goes international and they open up Harry's, Harry Cipriani's in New York. Mm -hmm. And today the family owns 24 restaurants and lounges, six private and extremely exclusive clubs five hotels and residences, ones like just going up in Miami right now. Like these are high-end joints and a few other businesses. And these are all run by Arrigo's son. Mm. And he named his son Giuseppe after his dad. So Giuseppe's running it again. It just sounds like there's just a lot of love in this family, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I love that. There's also some stories that they may have been working with the Gaudis at one time, but hey, look, (laughs) I can't blame you. (laughs) You're doing business in New York.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, to each his own.
1: Yeah, and they I mean, they actually even owned the Rainbow Room at one time, which is famous spot, right? That's Dale mm-hmm. DeGroff, right? All right, so back to the cocktail. Let's get to the cocktail. So in 1948, this is before he opened the hotel and years after he opened up Harry's, he invents the Bellini cocktail. And as the story goes is Giuseppe had an affinity for white peaches. He loved them. <laughs> he loved the way they smelled. Their what apparently- a
0: funny thing. What? Just like if somebody were to ask, what's a fun fact about you? I love... White peaches. Like just so silly and cute to have that be your thing.
1: Well, my thing is, I mean, if we're talking about what we love, I love a bowl of raspberries. If you give me a I will take that over any dessert, a bowl of raspberries.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: Yeah, big fan.
0: Wow. All right. Well, cute.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I'm apparently like Harry, because he loved himself some white peaches. And when he was at the bar, he wanted to recreate something that brought his affinity for these peaches into a cocktail. And so the other thing that was really predominant in the area is Prosecco. Now, Veneto, which is a region, is where Venice is. This region is the major producer, actually, I think is the producer of Prosecco. So he took Prosecco and he took his peaches. And he made a puree out of the peaches. And when he was experimenting with it, people were taste testing and they were like blown away by this. And they were like, okay, you got to keep going and tell you, you know, you hit it, but this is, this is wonderful. And finally he finds the ratio that he finds to be right. And he gives it the name, the Bellini because it is named after this artist that it was a Renaissance artist Giovanni Bellini. Mm-hmm. You knew this.
0: It sounded familiar. I knew that there was a Bellini last name that this was named after, which is why I had to assume it wasn't named after somebody they knew. So I'm tar- starting to put the pieces together. Like they didn't name it after like themselves or their family members because I know the Bellini is a popular, famous name of someone popular back then.
1: Yeah. See, so you're Italian, so you're in the know.
0: Yeah. I'm like hey, Bellini if, oh, sounds important.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I heard that before. I don't know where. Maybe it was brunch. Anyways, so he loves this Venetian artist and it reminds him, and by the way, uh, Giovanni Bellini was from the 15th century. And if you're like wondering, well, what were some of the things that he worked on? Like many artworks, he has many artworks, but The Agony in the Garden, The Sacred Conversation, Feast of the Gods, those are kind of some of the more popular works that he's done. But there's, there's a number of them out there. And The Color of the Bellini reminded him of the warm kind of pink hues that he would see in the skies and the paintings that Giovanni Bellini would make. And so he named the cocktail after this. So this was invented in 1948. And the IBA, which is the International Bar Association, they keep a list of the most popular cocktails. And this list changes from time to time. The Bellini has been a perennial cocktail Uh on that list. Not every cocktail can say that the bellini can.
0: That does not surprise me at all. I mean to tell you, everybody knows what it is. Not everybody orders it, but it's almost always on a menu. And it's just one of those that has always just hasn't even sat in the passenger seat. It's been sitting in the back seat and it has been there and riding this train for years.
1: And so I told you while we were between segments that I haven't really, you know, I haven't consumed a lot of these. Mm-hmm. And the reason is artificial peach flavor is probably one of the my worst. least favorite flavors. Now, I like fresh peaches. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I love fresh peaches. I hate the skin. <laughs> so I don't eat a lot of peaches too.
0: Yeah, I love the skin. I actually genuinely like the skin.
1: It's one of the last fruits I go for. Oh, But I don't ever order Bellini because I'm like, oh, it's probably got like peach schnapps or some BS in it that... I'm not going to like it. So I just bypass it yeah. all the time. Whereas making them fresh with even this using yellow peaches instead of white peaches, it's wonderful. It's absolutely such a wonderful cocktail and such a great alternative to your everyday mimosa. It becomes this world famous cocktail. But that's not all. Giuseppe didn't just invent the Bellini. Do you know what else he invented? <sighs> and I'll give you a hint. It's not a cocktail.
0: Huh. Then I have no idea.
1: All right. Let me tell you. This woman comes in in the 1960s. And 1964. hmm And she is a Venetian countess. And she tells Harry that she is under strict doctor's orders to eat raw meat. Oh. So Harry thought that, well, maybe thinly sliced filet, and he seasoned it up with a little special sauce, probably Dijon.
0: Sure. Mm-hmm.
1: Egg yolk, a little olive oil, a little lemon drizzled over the top of that. <laughs> Maybe that might do the trick. Is this uh, starting to kind of feel familiar to you?
0: No, I'm. Keep going. I don't want to guess wrong. Keep going.
1: Uh, all right. He took his inspiration from one more clue. He took his inspiration from the red color, which reminded him of the colors that he would find in also another famous artist's paintings.
0: Is this is like a carpaccio. There you go. Ha
1: Beef yes. carpaccio.
0: He invented. He invented
1: that? beef carpaccio. Yeah.
0: Wow. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That is so random.
1: So random. And this is the thing they say about his restaurants. Like they're delicious. And his focus was simplicity. Because beef carpaccio, it's simple, right? Like it's just a couple of ingredients. And the bellini, just a couple of ingredients. And I guess if you were to go to Harry's say I haven't been, but from the stories that I read, it's still just in exquisite condition, but it's simple, but elegant nonetheless. All right, so here's some fun facts about Harry's. So we talked about royalty Mm -hmm. and let's talk about some of the other 20th century icons. And this is just a short list of many people who would frequent Harry's because he made such a name for himself with service and quality. So Charlie Chaplin, Humphrey Bogart, Catherine Hepburn, Mm -hmm. Winston Churchill, Alfred Hitchcock, Orson Welles, Sinclair Lewis, Franklin Lloyd Wright, like all of these people would go there But you know who else went there, Jules? Also a writer and somebody that's shown up in many a bar around the world. The name is? Hemingway? Yeah, Ernest Hemingway.
0: Thank God. I hate these things. Pop quizzes on, on the spot. Yeah. Like I think I'm just making like, sure you're listening. But then, what if? What if you're like, "Oh my God, how could that be answered? So it wasn't even around then." I'm like, "Oh, I'm
1: so well, that's smiling. real, Jules. It's not so scripted, is it?"
0: And I know. Yeah, come I on. know. Wow, I knew it was Hemingway. I was like, "Come on, that guy's a boozer. We know this.
1: A total boozer." Yeah. Yeah. So Hemingway loved. It was actually one of his favorite bars. Now he definitely appeared at Harry's up in Paris. We know that. I think the story goes is that the Bloody Mary was invented for Hemingway.
0: I feel like there's a lot, of, so, he yeah, was no, so drunk.
1: Yeah, and then you got the Hemingway daiquiri, right? On the Floridita. Yeah. Hemingway, he was not discerning with uh, what he drank. No. So Hemingway would sit in a corner table and this is where he finished his novel Over the River and Into the Trees. And in the novel, if you read it, he references Harry's multiple times as a setting within the novel. Wow. And so he absolutely loved Harry's bar. So I'm sure that actually helped write too make it even more popular because you got all these famous people who are frequenting it and now they're telling stories back in you know, the States right. and other people are going and eventually it just kind of gets around that Harry's is the place to go. In 2001, it was declared a national landmark. Oh. And this is a designation that had not been given out for 100 years prior. And Harry's bar got designated as a national landmark and not even for Carpaccio and the Bellini <laughs> just what it's given to the Italian history and the fabric of Venice and the fabric of Italy.
0: Damn.
1: So really cool.
0: That's pretty cool. Now
1: it turns 100 (gasps) in obviously 2031. God, maybe, you know what? I don't know. We're going out to Sicily.
0: Yeah, I know. It's kind
1: of a, I think it's probably a little bit of a jog from Sicily to Venice since we're on two opposite ends of the boot. So we definitely have to go. I definitely want to see this place. And from what I understand, it's still, like I said earlier, just as elegant as ever. And Bellini might set you back, I think, about 22 euro. Wow! But that's okay. You're having one in a place that is historic and just dripping with stories. Wait, how much are they supposed to be? Like a really cool 22, 22 euro.
0: 22 euro. Yeah. Shoot, that's a that's a that's hefty there. But I would assume, Yeah. yeah, like you're saying, you're doing it for the vibes, for the experience.
1: Doing it for the vibes. From what I read, for people who go, the food doesn't suffer from the fact that it's now this famous place and now it's part of this big conglomerate of all these different restaurants. The dedication and the service and the experience you get at Harry's is as good today as it ever was. I think we got to go. And for those of you who are listening, you're like, you want something to do, go to Venice, because apparently that's not going to be around forever, right, as sea levels rise. That's
0: what I was going to say. Brad, we need a map.
1: We need a map. We've talked about this. We've talked
0: about so many different bars now. We need to sit down and and make our map because we have a lot of places to go.
1: Well, Jules, that's the story on the Bellini.
0: That's the Bellini. Well, I have a story on how to keep your drinks frozen.
1: Let's talk about that.
0: (laughs) All right. All right, Brad, I told you I have a tip. And this is an exciting tip because this is not my tip. This I actually saw on TikTok by an account Mm. called Drinks by Wild. If you haven't checked him out, go check him out. His recipes are great. He's a lot of great information for home bartenders. That is where I found his tips and I wanted to reiterate it for the podcast. So again, at Drinks by Wild, go check him out and we'll make sure to tag him on the website as well. He had a really great video for perfecting frozen drinks, so I wanted to share that here. One of the things that he suggested and recommended was using dry sugar when blending instead of syrup. You may be wondering why. Some might find it obvious. I know I am. Yeah, Yeah. but syrup is using both sugar and water. We don't want to add any more water than we need in our frozen drinks as Mm -hmm. we're adding ice. So to eliminate that, he suggested using just raw sugar and then doing what's called a dry blend with the sugar and liquid ingredients before adding your ice and blending. So I think that that's an interesting tactic. I think you'd want to get your sugar measurement right for whatever drink you're making to make sure you don't over-sugar sweeten it. But that was his first tip. Second one, which is a little bit tougher, but if you're going to be making a lot this summer, it might be worth investing in, is xanthan gum. some an emulsifier and stabilizer. And he suggests using an eighth of a teaspoon or a quarter of a teaspoon. And you're going to add that into your dry blend mixture. Blend it together before you add your ice. Last thing, and this is easy to do. I do it all the time crushed ice. And I could not recommend this enough because it's going to get crushed anyway. So you're actually helping the blender. You're also helping it blend together quicker because you don't want to be blending for too long. That's how you kind of get soup because it, it will get warm. So the least amount you have to blend, the quicker it will go, the less warm it will get, the less it will become more watered down by that ice. So crushed ice is always really great when you're making frozen drinks.
1: That's great. I can see why crushed ice would work also because when I've made smoothies and whatnot with just regular old ice from the fridge, Mm -hmm. you have chunks of ice every once in a while that kind of still... Stay in there. They don't get busted up and they're kind of like a little ball of ice.
0: It really helps for a smooth texture. I mean, mine earlier, I think I added a little bit too much crushed ice. I probably added... I didn't measure quite right, which... Recommend always measuring. I just threw it in my Yeti cup. So that was my bad. But I always recommend starting out with a quarter or a half cup of crushed ice. And that will really help get it going. And if you want it smoother, add in a little bit more crushed ice. But again, you don't want to over dilute your drinks. So make sure for each one you do, you always measure it out so you have consistent drinks together. But don't be scared of frozen drinks, especially this time of year. They're still fun and let you reminisce on what will be.
1: (laughs) Well, that's good to hear. And uh, next time I make the peach puree, maybe I'll just use dry sugar as opposed to simple syrup to sweeten it up a little bit. So good, good tip. Yeah. But
0: there you go. Cheers, Brad. Cheers, Jules. Well, there you have it. Cheers, Uncle Brad.
1: Cheers, Jules, and thank you, everyone, for listening to the show.
0: Don't worry. We will have the photos and recipes for today's cocktails on the website, joinjewels.com.
1: And if you got questions or comments for us, hit us up on the Insta at the Art of Drinking Podcast. And, of course, find Jules at joinjewels or at favorite uncle brad that's me also on the insta
0: and hey subscribe to my cocktail club on facebook all you'll need to do is search join jules cocktail club and there you'll see what other cocktail enthusiasts are shaking up
1: this is a red rock music podcast
0: don't forget subscribe like and review the art of drinking and join jules and your favorite uncle wherever you get your podcasts